Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by our guest speaker. Well, I'm thankful to be able to have another opportunity to share today. And I told some people, of course, it's on the Holy Spirit, but, you know, I one of my callings is to be prophetic and... Um, to make a people ready for the end days, you know. And so um, part of that is helping people to get what I call the Issachar spirit. It's just a spirit of wisdom to know what men ought to be doing in the times that we are in right now. And so if I step on a little toes today, well, I step on a little toes because I have to honor God and what I believe he is wanting to encourage us as a church and as individuals to step out into the things of God. So the first thing I want to do, I want to start with a review, a quick, just a quick review of some points about the Holy Spirit so that it's a foundation for where I'm going. You know, we talked about, or I did a couple weeks ago, about the Holy Spirit has been with the Trinity all along at creation. He was the power behind everything supernatural. That hasn't changed. He is the power behind everything supernatural. He has all the wisdom and power of the ages that resides in him that he can freely give to us. And he knows people. He knows humans. He's been working with people, in people, through people from the beginning in Genesis all the way up through Jesus, and then the uh, Acts 2, baptism of fullness, and now clear up here to today, to all of us, all of you who are in here, who have the Holy Spirit residing in you. He knows us. He knows how to work with us. He knows how we operate, how we think. And you know, one of the things that I love about the Holy Spirit is that he specializes in connecting our hearts to the heart of the Father and to his desires for the world. And that's important because only in that, you know, Jesus only did what the Father told him to do and what he saw the Father doing. And the Holy Spirit can help us to operate in just that way. Now, Jesus, we know he was filled with the Holy Spirit from uh, conception on. But Jesus showed us in his life that he, too, had to have the fullness of the Spirit, that Acts 2 type of fullness to come upon him. And we know that happened at the river uh, with John. See, Jesus set aside everything supernatural. He had to operate just like me, just like Gene, just like Sam. He had to operate in us as a human. Jesus knew that. He needed the Holy Spirit to operate in him just like we would. Otherwise, there's always that excuse, well, he was supernatural, so I can't be. No, he took away that excuse. Jesus was totally human, and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he received at the river with John, he got what he needed just like we do when we get the Acts 2 experience. And Jesus passes on that Holy Spirit to us. Christ in you, remember? 
he is in us, the spirit that is within us. And the thing that I love about that is that the spirit comes with power. And I want to talk about two words real quick with power. One is in Acts 1.8. Hopefully that comes up for you. But you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look real familiar with that verse. The word there, power, is one of the two words I'm talking about. The root of that word is dynamis. I hope I'm saying that right. Only Gary could tell me if I'm saying that right or not. But it's where we get the word like dynamite. And it's basically, it's the meaning of miraculous power. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we get that miraculous power ability, just like Jesus had. Mark 3, 14 to 15 says, Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have what? Power, but a different kind, to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. The word there is, oh, this is where I need Gary. Exousia, am I saying that right, Gary? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> anyway, it means basically authority, and jurisdiction. Jesus, through his spirit, gave us authority and jurisdiction over the demonic. The disciples, when they found that out, they were thrilled. And Jesus said, hey, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. Salvation's even more important. But hey, yeah, it's part of the power that comes with the package. Miraculous power and authority and jurisdiction comes with the baptism. See, Jesus talks about the fact that he is the reigning spirit. You know, we say uh, prince of peace, prince being reigning spirit. Jesus is the reigning principality and power over all things, regions, peoples, demons, government, situation. Now, the devil likes to confuse us and make us think he's always in control. But the reality is that Holy Spirit in us, with that means Jesus in us, we have that same ability to be the reigning authority in any kind of a situation. Now, I'm going to give you two quick examples in my own life of this working with uh, miraculous power and also with authority and jurisdiction. Uh, Rick and I were newly baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we had come to Redeemer's uh, after getting what's called the left foot of fellowship, you know what I'm talking about in the charismatic world, because we had the baptism and had been in a church that did not believe in the baptism. And we weren't here at Redeemer's very long, but I saw some things happen. Like at that point, there was a lot of leg growing. If you've never seen a leg grow, it's pretty awesome. But that was the kind of miracle I had seen and we had seen. And so within a short time of being there, Rick and I went on a mission trip with a couple that was connected with the full gospel businessmen, and we were going to Singapore and Thailand to be part of a group that was going to help in a big crusade. So we are in Singapore at this point, and there's this huge crusade stadium, a huge football, or excuse me, soccer, I guess is the correct word to say. Soccer stadium was filled wall to wall with people for salvation and things like that, and they had filled the stadium 
uh, field with every kind of imaginable illness, sickness, disease, weird anomaly in the body, you name it. It came time for the healing part to happen, and Rick and I and the, the team had been kind of behind closed doors, and they opened up those doors for us to walk out onto that field, and what greeted us was every square inch of that field was ambulances, stretchers, hospital beds, oxygen tanks, crooked limbs and bodies, missing limbs, I mean, you name it, and we're there like deer in a headlight, you know, because we had never, ever done anything in the miraculous realm. We just had the baptism and spoken tongues. That's all we had. And so we kind of stepped out, not knowing what we were going to do. And in that moment, this lady, wanting to get in there, steps right in front of us and with the through, and she had a baby on her hip in just a diaper. And that baby was screaming its head off. And through an interpreter, we found out that that child had been born with what's called hip dysplasia, where the hips are made like this. I mean, the legs are made out here instead of coming in, in and rotating the way they need to be for crawling and walking and things like that. That baby was crying. He didn't want to have nothing to do with us. He didn't want to have nothing to do with here. And she's like, heal my baby. Now we look at each other deer in a headlight still, thinking, we have no training. Uh, can we have an hour and a half to at least go watch a quick video or something? I mean, that was the kind of thing that was going on. All we had was Holy Spirit. We didn't even know the extent of miraculous power working through us. But because of time, because pressure, we looked at each other, we walked up, we extended our hand, didn't touch the baby at all. And we just said what all good Christian-filled people do. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Immediately, pop, pop, the child who was screaming immediately stopped. His legs rotated right in front of us. Now, we're, we're like, hey, does somebody have a camera? Did anybody get that on film? We want to watch it again and again because it was over with so quick. That's the power of a Holy Spirit, even when we don't know what we're doing. The other situation I'll mention quickly, this is, this is at the church now that we finally got the left foot of fellowship for. We had been spirit-filled. We were there. And we were helping with the youth at the time. And so we were baptized in the spirit, but we were like, mom's the word, you know, mom's the word. And so we're that night in a youth meeting, finishing up. We got in a circle. It was about, I don't know, 30, 35 of us in a circle, holding hands. We needed to get out. We were running kind of late. So it's like, okay, you pray for the person on the right, pray for the person on your left, just kind of pray to yourself, and we're done. So Rick was on my right, so I prayed for Rick, you know. And I'm praying in tongues because now I'm spirit-filled. That's, um, that's all I knew. So I'm just praying in tongues under my breath quietly because you don't want anybody else to know. So I'm praying in tongues, got through with there, gave my focus to the person beside me, a youth. I wasn't a minute into praying in tongues quietly. Now I'm telling you quietly because we did not want people to know we had the baptism. He let go of my hand, spun around, 
put his hands around my neck, began shaking me and saying, Betty, my God, they're trying to get me, kill me, I think was the term, kill me, help me. Well, I, again, baptism, yeah, but I didn't have any deliverance 101 or two or whatever at this point. I just, in that second, Holy Spirit, I reached my hand up, smacked him on the forehead with my hand, and started praying out in tongues. He fell out in the spirit with his hands around my neck, taking me with him to the floor. Thank God Rick was there and Tim and Jill, they remember. So the four of us, the only spirit-filled people in the building, come around this kid and began doing deliverance, which we had no training for. But you know what? Holy Spirit has been doing deliverance from the beginning. He has the wisdom, he had the ability, and he just moved through us. Long story short, kid got delivered. And we got the left foot of fellowship eventually and are now here <laughs> as a result. So what is the reason for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Acts? Well, hopefully you'll get the, the picture here. It's not something you check off to prove yourself as... I'm really spiritual, and I've arrived. No. It is for the working of the power of God to save people from the world, to deliver them out of the world, out of their bondages, out of their sin, and their current trip to hell if they don't get out of it. Holy Spirit is for changing the world and people. You know, if preaching could do it, 2,000 years later, our world would look a whole lot different. But see, preaching is not enough. Head knowledge is not enough. We need the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, demonstrating the supernatural power of God to make a difference. Living an Acts life, being an Acts church, is the only thing that's going to turn the world upside down again. And God knows that we really need that in our world at this point. Let me pray, and then we're going to go into the rest of the message. So bow your heads, please. Lord, your word says whatever things we ask in prayer and believe that we will receive them. Lord, I pray and believe that today the people of Redeemers and those watching will get the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in them to change the world. I believe, Holy Spirit, you will show yourself to them and they will choose to lay aside all their fears, doubts, unbelief, and choose to will and to do the assignments that you have for them. I believe that their will is what needs to be set to allow you to work in and through them. And I pray that they will yield their will today to you. Lord, I am thankful you are a God who never disowns us, throws us away, writes us off, or stops loving us. We may fail, we may be unfaithful, but you are always faithful. You are the father of the prodigal, and you are the father of the older brother, and it doesn't matter, you always have arms to say, we are your favorite. Your love and your mercies are new every morning, and that means they are new today. 
So now, Holy Spirit, let my words be your words. Hide me and take over. Speak through me, Father, today that this people can become all that you hope and want them to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in order today to be working and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, we really need to know what we're up against. And to do that, we need to think about what is going on in the world today. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it was a world ruled by who? Who ruled the world at the time of Jesus? The Romans. The Romans. They were the world rule. Today's world is ruled by a different spirit. It's actually the spirit of ancient Babylon. It has been resurrected and it's continuing to grow. We're going to talk more about how that is. But at the core of everything that goes on in the world today, the demonic and Satan is behind it because he wants to thwart every plan of of the God to have the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. The spirit of Babylon is the contending force of darkness today. And according to the Bible, it will be the only rule at the time of the second coming in the end of days. So what we are living in now is the rise of that spirit of Babylon once again. And we're going to look at the life of Daniel and his friends a little bit because they knew how to deal with the spirit of Babylon. As you try to move forward with what God has for you and to save souls or go out and do what God's calling you to do, the spirit of Babylon is going to be coming against you to push you back. The devil does not want you to operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because he knows if you do, it's the superior force and he always loses to God. And so he is going to try to prevent you in every place to keep you from operating in the fullness of the Spirit. God knew what he was doing when he poured out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost because it is the only power, as I said, that can stop and defeat the advancement of darkness. Now, how did this Spirit come about? Well, most of you know of the story of Babel and the Tower. That was the beginning of the rebellion in the earth for this beginning of the empire and and the connecting of the Babylon spirit. It was located at what is what we would call modern Iraq right now. Men in those days, the Bible's very clear and tells us that they thought they could be God, equal to God. They could do whatever they set their minds to do. They could control their own fate and they could unite together and rule the world. Sound familiar to what's going on today in a lot of places? This is what is at work in the one world system that we're coming into more and more every day. They want to, people want to control their own fate. They don't want anybody telling them what they can do and can't do. They are uniting with like minds to make groups to be able to have strong control. And when this happens, when men begin to come and have 
tribes like this that the Bible talks about in Babel at that time. God always intervenes. And thank God that is one of the benefits of what we have dealing with the spirit of Babylon and Babel again is because pride is behind so much of what is happening around us in people's lives. And when that happens, God always steps in to do something. And that's a saving grace that we still have a window of time to be able to work with God against this spirit. So there's always hope that this is going to be taken care of. Now, how did God deal with Babel in that time? Anybody remember? The the tower got torn down, but he did one thing specifically to the people. He changed their language, exactly. He gave multitudes of languages to the people who'd only been one language, and it caused them to have to scatter and regroup. Now, isn't it interesting that God, who purposely cursed the language for them, redeemed language at Acts 2, Pentecost? Because what did the people get at Acts 2, Pentecost? Tongues. Tongues of men and tongues of angels that Corinthians tells us. So God took what had been his all along, redeems it, gives it to us for these end days so that we have the power to be able to operate in the spirit and do the works of God. And it's one of the reasons if you come out of a a church that is a denominational church or some other church, it's one of the reasons why so many people put a hand up to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues because Satan doesn't want it in operation because it's a redeemed power that allows us to speak directly to God and to be able to pray when we don't even know how to pray. See, when the Spirit comes back, as it has today, and and why has it come back, begun to come back? besides the fact that it's prophesied that it will be the ruling spirit at the end of the age, it comes back because the church has backed off from being the light of the world and demonstrating the power. See, what was it in Acts 2 and thereafter that turned the world upside down, as they say? It was the demonstration of people freely giving themselves to the use of the Holy Spirit. And the the demonic doesn't want that to happen. Now, the Babylon of today is going to be what we've talked about in the past, but so much more. Before, it was only a ruling power in a region. In the days we're living in, the spirit is going all over the world and it will become a one world government in the end, as we know, in Revelations. And Babylon will finally be crushed by Jesus, we're told, in Revelations. We are told to have nothing to do with this spirit of Babylon. And we can only do that through the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in us, and through us. Let's look at Revelations 18, 2 to 4. 
It's going to tell us about the Spirit. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every clean and hated bird. For all nations, what does the word all mean? All. That means our beloved United States. All nations will fall to the spirit. They will drink or have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now, look at the next statement. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her who? My people. Meaning out of Babylon, out of the culture, out of the thoughts, out of its ways lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. See, the only way we are not seduced by the mind, uh, the only way is to not be seduced is having the mind of Christ operate in us and through us because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Daniel and his three friends, as I said, they lived in the time of this most powerful, up to that point, most powerful kingdom there ever was and will ever will be, until right now. The Bible says they, meaning Daniel and his friends, purposed and set their will to stand in the face of this powerful demonic influence. And they also had the spirit of the holy God, who is the God of gods, living in them. That comes out of the book of Daniel. So, if we set our will and we purpose to allow the Holy Spirit to come out of us and through us, however he likes, whenever he likes, whatever he's telling us to do, it is the power to resist the spirit of the age today, and it is the power to be able to turn the world upside down. Daniel 2 to 7, those chapters kind of show some of the pressures that the spirit of the age put on the followers of God. See, not just Daniel and his three buds were taken. Thousands of God's people were taken over time to Babylon. But only a few survived the indoctrination and the seduction of Babylon. The majority succumbed to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride, the power, the authority that Babylon gave them opportunity to have. How do I know this? Well, you can read about it with Ezra and Nehemiah. The numbers of the families who came back are so small compared to those who went. Why did this happen? It's because that group of people did not set their will to be separated unto God. Instead, they allowed the indoctrination, the seduction, the prestige, and all the things that they got. And they made a good life for themselves. But they were not any longer a part of what God was wanting to do. 
And, and these are the areas, the very areas that God wants to be able to use in our lives by setting our will and working with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus had these same temptations. Let's back up for a minute. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth at conception on. So we know that he came to John at the River Jordan to be baptized with all the fullness. In other words, his personal Acts 2 infilling there at the river with John. But see, Jesus had already done what David and his friends had done, or Daniel had done. He had purposed himself to set his will to be obedient to whatever God led him to do. How do I know that? Luke 2, 49. It's the story of Jesus who stayed behind and mom and dad didn't know it. Remember? And they had to go search for him. And when they found him, he was in the synagogue and he was telling them, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? So Jesus is showing this principle, the saying, being in the world, just not of the world. God made us with a will, and we need to make that same stand, no matter what age we are, make that stand of setting our will. See, the will is the strong force that directs the mind and our thoughts. The will is what controls our emotions from running amok. You know, like, hey, you're going to be thrown into a, the fiery furnace. Oh, here you go. Boom, you're in the lion's den. You know, the kind of thing that helps you in those moments to not have your emotions take over and you lose it. Giving in to fear and intimidation, give an opportunity for the devil to just keep on working you. The will is the governing power in the nature of man. It is the power of decision, the power of choice, the power to cast down arguments, vain imaginations, and all things that are contrary to the truth of God's word. The question becomes, who is your will submitted to today? Who is your will submitted to? Mm, God sometimes, but, you know, in the case of this or this, it's I make the Daniel and the others were submitted to God. And so they, even though they didn't have an official Acts 2 baptism, they were operating in the same power of that same spirit. Now, if you are filled, you think or have said or know that you are filled with an Acts 2 baptism, have you engaged your will with God to let him be him? The question I'm asking. You know, a lot of people are Christians, and we have baptism, but we keep Holy Spirit like the crazy uncle in the attic. We don't let him out very often or let him be seen manifesting or coming out because I might be embarrassed or he might do something squirrely that I don't even know about that I can deal with. That's how a lot of Christians operate. In other words, we lock the Holy Spirit up or put him in a room until we need him in a desperate situation. But that's not how Holy Spirit works. Do you remember, if you were here, Caleb's message? 
His message was the Holy Spirit is like what? The wind. And can you control the wind? Can you determine its direction? Can you box it in? No. The, w- the wind or the Holy Spirit is going to do what it wants, when it wants, and all we need to do is just go with it. Every spirit-filled Christian needs to let the Holy Spirit be the ruling power and spirit in your life. You know, we need to choose if we call ourselves spirit-filled Christians to be interruptible and available. Well, that can be real inconvenient. Especially if you are planning with Christmas and you've got X amount of budget and you're somewhere and you see someone, even one of those people who stand on the road and with their little signs and the Holy Spirit says, Give them 50 bucks. It's like, turn right, turn quick. I don't have time to get in my wallet. I don't have time to get in my purse. Because the conviction of that is that we don't want to because our will hasn't been made available and interruptible. God can work in you both to will and to do what you need to do. We're told that in Philippians 2.13. Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says this. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, remember the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, we were told that, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do his what? His, is it up there? His will? his goodwill, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, meaning the Spirit in you, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He can't work in you if he doesn't have all access. And that's a choice. Just like praise, like Rick said today, praise is a choice. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, to speak to you, to hint to you, to whisper to you, to nudge you, to push you, to come up and slap a hand on a head of someone who needs deliverance and you don't know what you're doing is a choice. You have to unlock that Holy Spirit from the attic or the rooms that you have him locked up in. Daniel 3.15 to 18 says this about Daniel's three friends. And you'll see the point that I'm getting here. As they chose to stand against the pressures of the Babylon spirit, that spirit that we're even dealing with today, it says this. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not, worship you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands the the three guys answered this way O King Nebuchadnezzar we have no need to answer you in this matter why they had already predetermined and set their will 
If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hands. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Fifteen, sixteen years old, saying this, because they had predetermined to stand. See, when confronted, they had no vacillation of their conviction. See, a lot of times, we don't stop to think ahead. What would I do if my boss told me, do this or get fired? We don't even give it a thought until it happens, and it's like, uh, uh, well, uh, okay. We quickly succumb because we haven't predetermined to let him meaning God, the Holy Spirit, be boss. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we get the courage, the resolve, the trust, the faith, the hope, the joy of being on the most powerful side that there is and watching God do something. So I'm going to ask you again, how is your will set? Have you purpose in your heart to think ahead as the days get darker and everything gets more squirrely in the world? Have you even thought about it? Do you have the Holy Spirit baptism marked off your list and you're saying, life's good, I'm good? Or have you set your will to be available and interruptible to the leading of the Holy Spirit no matter how crazy it seems or where it takes you? Or have to buy, fill, you know, be told to buy the groceries of the person behind you. Maybe even take them home and deliver them. Are you asking each day for the Holy Spirit to say, what's up today, Lord? What kind of assignments do you have? What's on the schedule? What's the divine appointment? I started doing this more and more in the last year or so, asking every day when I get up, Lord, what do I need to do today that by doing it, I save time, I save effort, and I establish the kingdom? And many times, it'll be like, do the bills. That's what pops in my mind. It's like, well, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking more like, you know, this or that. But when I'm obedient and I look back, it's efficient, it's right, and it makes life better. Now, I'm going to end right now on a, one more example of how this was working in me. Um, a few years now after we were at Redeemers, and I was growing because the environment here is to encourage you to become all that God would have you to be, I was growing in the baptism, and I was learning how to step out and to do these things, to hear God, learning more about the prophetic, all that kind of stuff. But I started having a series of dreams. And these were not good dreams. They were demonic dreams. And in the dreams, the devil and people were always coming to kill me. And when I dream, I happen to dream in 3D, living color, with smells, feels, tastes, sights, colors, 
whatever. So it makes it very real to me. And these were very, very disturbing dreams. I actually thought at one point I need to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist because I think I'm going crazy. I prayed in tongues. I rebuked the devil like a good spirit-filled Christian to do to stop those dynamic, awful dreams. But they didn't. They persisted and intensified, making it more difficult to keep the fear, intimidation, and the sensations of the dreams popping back into my mind. What stopped the dreams was not just having the baptism. I ended up seeing once I had it happened that it was determining my will. Now, here's what I mean. The last dream that I had was where I had just finished in the dream leading some people to the Lord and I walked outside the building that I had been in. It was very dark outside. There weren't any really street lights. And immediately an evil man came up behind me and he put a gun to the back of my head. And in that, he cocked the gun. Now I know that's, I don't think the new automatic semis do that. You pull something back or something. But in in my dream at that time, it was a pull back, you hear it click. He told me I was going to die because I had not stopped talking and working for God. I didn't get a chance to say anything at that moment because I heard the blast. I smelled the gunpowder. I felt my head snap forward. I felt the bullet enter the back of my head. And in slow motion, it was traveling to the front. It came out. I lost my sight. I fell to the ground. And as I was laying on the sidewalk with the blood I could feel running down my face, I could smell the pavement. Now, this is the reality of the dreams I had. And in that moment, the fear of death was so strong, I knew I was going to die. I, could, I couldn't speak, but in my mind, even though there was a bullet that had gone through it, I made a determination. I said, in my mind, because I couldn't speak with my mouth, I said, you can kill me, but I will not stop. I will not yield. Immediately, the dream was over. Now, they never came back because I had determined at that point through the power of what the Holy Spirit was doing, what the enemy was trying to do, I made the determination in my will. And it has been that ever since. I know what I would do if I was challenged in a, in a situation with a boss. I know. But we need to all make that determination. I had to have a little prayer help after that with the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, that miracle power, you know. I had to have some of that because the trauma of that dream was always wanting to come back and pop up. But I never had the dreams after that. And once I got the victory through the praying with the tongues and the Holy Spirit over the emotional part of it, they, they never came back again ever. So if you are going to make a difference in this world, 
You're going to need the Acts 2 fullness. You're going to have to predetermine your will, just like Daniel and his friends. Because there is a world out there, I'm telling you, that needs turned upside down. There are people's souls and lives that are at stake. And through only us, as his mouth, his hands, his heart, being freely yielded to be interruptible and available to be used by God, can we make a difference? Will you stand? If I could have the elders come up, and uh, Corinne, if you could put a little background music on, that'd be nice. I know this has been challenging. It's been, was challenging me me (laughs) to write it. But I want to minister on several levels today. If you're not filled with the Acts 2, well, today's a great day to get that. If you need, if you've been filled, but you've been kind of worn down by the world, that Babylon spirit wearing you out, you need a refill. And with that, once you get your refill, think about your personal will. You might need an attitude change to engage your will, to choose. You know, those areas where this is God's, this is God's, but money, how I deal with my mother and this, whatever it is, is not. God doesn't want that. He wants everything his. Maybe you just need to say, yes, Lord, I'll be available, and I'll be interruptible. Whatever it is that God's tugging on your heart, I hope and I pray and I've been praying that you will yield. So if that's you at some point, then we're up here to pray with you that you'll do whatever God is directing you to do so that you can become that effective person that God has saved you for to be for this time. You were born in this time for this place. And if you happen to be here or if you're online and you need the Lord, then we will be happy to tell you. You can call us. We'll be happy to lead you or meet with you to pray to bring you through for salvation. Or if you're here today and you need to remake that commitment, we're here for you to be able to pray with. So, Lord, I pray that you'll deal with this word in the hearts as people come and go, Lord, that they will make the choice to fight against the Babylon spirit, Father, that's in the world today, to set their mind, to be determined in their will, to allow the freedom of the Holy Spirit to flow through them in the days ahead because this world needs the power of God demonstrating what to give. So, Lord, we bless you. Be with your people and equip them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.